and uh, welcome along. It's Alison Craig and John Wood here with What's the Chat? How are you, John Boy? Not bad at all. And uh, thanks to all the people who have been listening so far. Uh, we have uh, people who are out jogging, people listening in the morning, in the evening, in the afternoon. So wherever you are, whatever you're doing, keep it clean and thanks. Yeah, and thanks very much for being in touch as well. We've had quite a lot of very amusing messages. Very, uh, very amusing. Thank you very much to Dot and Chris that sent us a little email to what's the chat podcast at gmail.com just saying that they really enjoyed our little reminisce last week about the, the fourth road bridge toll paying thing and Chris practically had to be strapped down he was literally about to choke in his dinner so be careful out there if you're listening uh, and David Hanna as well he was remembering how we used to really rip the mick out of Mystic Meg and he was loving hearing us back together again John and Ian Greer as well who's a name from the past hi Ian hope you're doing well and thanks for getting in touch as well the man has the voice of gravel I always remember he great voice Ian had Wait, let's get him on. Let's get him on. Let's yeah, get him yeah. on. Let's we'll have a chat with him. Well, we've got we have got a couple of guests today actually because we obviously we're all a little bit restricted in where we can go. A little bit restricted. Well, a lot restricted about where we can go and what we can do. So we thought, you know, let's go and find Scottish people that are living exciting places and doing different things and just live precariously through their adventures. And if you're stuck on what to watch on TV, we've got uh, Catherine Aitken coming on later on to give some good advice on what's on the telly. She's got her finger in the pulse. We cannot mention the rugby. We will mm, just stay clear of the rugby. It. Stay clear it of never happened. Well, never happened. I don't know. You do tell a very good story about the Welsh. What a nice piece of boogie-woogie. Um, while the Welsh were up this weekend, it sort of reminded me of a story. It's a true story of a friend of mine who uh, was going down with a group of guys down to Cardiff to see oh, yeah, 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 Scotland yeah, yeah. play uh, Wales down in Cardiff Arms oh. Park. But the thing was... They didn't have any tickets. So um, the guy says, well, wait a minute. How are we going to get tickets at this late stage? He says, don't worry. Don't worry. All we have to do is we have to meet a guy called Iron of course. in a pub one hour <laughs> before course. kickoff. And you can see the rest of the guys going, oh, yeah, like this is going to work. So anyway, an hour before, they went to the pub. And right enough, there was a guy called Iron there. And uh, they, they went up to him, had a chat, had a pint. And he looked rather large. And then he opened his jacket. <laughs> And inside, he had about half a dozen Stuart's uniforms, you know, the bibs. <laughs> and he says, right, I'll tell you what, just take them and follow me. So they finish the pint, put the bibs on, and walk straight into Cardiff Arms Park. No way! Dispersed all around the stadium. Uh, wherever they wanted to go, they had a free pass just to get in. It was brilliant. They could go right down the front, see the players. What so anyway, it, it was, and it worked like a treat. But what happened was, halfway through, there was nearly, a, nearly a, an uproar because Scotland scored. And, of course, all the stewards who are Scottish are jumping up and down. And the Welsh are sitting there looking at them going, what the hell's going on? So one of the Welsh guys said to one of the stewards, he says, uh, excuse me, where are you from? He says, oh, we're, we're from Scotland. What are you doing here? You're a steward. And quick as a flash, he says, oh, we're on a steward exchange programme from Murrayfield. <laughs> <laughs> and he got away with it. <laughs> oh, that's, what a brilliant story! And that's that a is, true one. That's lovely. true. So, God, it reminds me a bit of my dad. One day, he was he was actually walking down the high street, and uh, he was about to get a ticket in his car. So he went up to the traffic warden, thinking, "Oh my God, what am I going to say?" So he went, "Hello," and she went, "Uh huh," and he went, "Do I know you?" And she went, "Well, I don't know." And he said, "Where are you from?" And she went, "Orkney." And he went, oh, "I'm from Orkney." And he said, "What's your surname?" And she went, "You know, McGinty or whatever." And he went. Oh my God. He said, I'm a McGinty from Orkney. We must be related. So they had this long, convoluted conversation where he wasn't pinning anything down at all. At the end of which, you know, they were practically swapping numbers and meeting for Christmas. And she didn't give him a ticket and off she went. And my dad never even been to Orkney. <laughs> 
it's an tip as to how to avoid getting a you know getting a ticket. Although you better that, be quick with somebody else. That's what my dad would call taking your brass neck out of your pocket and using it. You know, because <laughs> yeah, yeah. My, my dad did that one time. I remember we went along to Stockbridge the fish shop, and uh, my dad bought some scallops in their shell. Now. We couldn't even spell scallop, let alone what would you do with them. We had no idea. So he says, why are you going to cook them? He says, I, I don't know. I think you take them out the shell. I went, well, that'd be a good start. He says, we need an expert on this. Now, bear in mind, it's 8 o'clock on a Saturday night. He phones up the Balmoral Hotel, asked to be put through to the kitchen to speak oh. urgently to the head chef in the middle of service. And right enough, the head chef came on the phone. Hello, how can I help you? How do you cook a scallop? And he told them. Oh, bless him. Oh, that's brilliant. brilliant. Long before Google or any of that. I know, I know, I know. Oh, God, I remember my dad standing, he was standing at a bar in Bankery, actually. Uh, They just had a game of golf and uh, it was this American. There was a lot of Americans influxed into Aberdeen early 80s, you know, with the oil industry, obviously, late 70s, early 80s. So he was standing at the bar and he did a game of golf with this guy. He didn't know him particularly well. Anyway, took out, uh, you know, a handful of change and whatnot. And within the change, he had two or three wooden roll plugs. You know, don't ask me why, because he was hardly a DIY guru but anyway there they were and the American guy went oh you know fiddling through the change what are are those little guys there and dad uh, quick as a flash went uh, oh they're miniature Japanese bonsai uh, cuttings and the guy went really and he went yeah and he so dad went into a really in-depth description as to what to do with them how to care for them how to plant them how to water them when to water them what to feed them you know when to feed them and how to just uh, anyway so he wrapped them up in a bit of uh, paper and gave them to the guy and the guy went oh off with them in his pocket, obviously. <laughs> Are we back to America to plant some roll plugs? <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> You're talking about DIY there. When my dad, my dad was in the post office for 45 years, right? He started off as a telegraph messenger. And that was really handy because when he was driving around town, he knew all the rat runs and the shortcuts, which was great because in these days, he used to deliver telegrams on a bicycle. So, hence, he was a telegraph for messenger. For goodness sake, I know, it sounds like the blooming Victorian era. Well, when, when he retired, when he was 60, he was offered, you know, they, they offered them a present. And uh, it was a series. He had to pick a gift. One of them was uh, his and her watches, you know, from my mum and him. Uh, another one was the hostess trolley. Remember the hostess trolley oh, from God, the 70s? Oh, the hostess right? trolley. And yes. the other one was a DIY kit, right? Workbench, hmm. tools, the whole lot. And of course, my mother eyed up the hostess trolley because, you know, hostess with the hostess, that's what she wanted, you know. And my dad went, <laughs> no, you're not getting that. We're going to go for DIY. And I'm looking at my dad's with DIY? My dad, <laughs> yeah, n- DIY? Not a good fit, yeah. No. So anyway, he got the DIY stuff, much to my mum's horror. And then he got it home and he couldn't work out how to put the plugs on the appliances. He had to go back into work to ask the handyman to do that. And when he, when he passed, sadly passed away, I went into the hut and there was the workbench still in the box. Oh, bless. Oh, that's so sweet. It just shows you, though, the great plans, the great plans, the great plans. And I remember once we also, he was doing the, the, um, the path up and he thought, you'll do it yourself. So he hired a cement mixer. And I went outside and he's looking around, he's walking around the cement mixer. I'm going, what is it, Dad? He says, I, I, I can't start it. They can how you start it. Give me the phone. Let's get the phone. So he comes back at the phone. He phones the AA to find out how to start <laughs> a cement mixer. And you told them. <laughs> oh, those were the days. Those were the days. My dad had a, a wee, I mean, when I say it was a, a boat, it was just a wee sort of sailing dinghy thing. But they could go out, you know, and, and do a bit of a trip on it. So they, they decided him and his friend, Ron Main, and I'll tell you why I know his name, because it was a cutting in the newspaper because of what happened. Um, but 
him and his pal Ron Main decided that they would sail round uh, the top of Scotland um, and they had absolutely no idea what they were doing. So they had <laughs> with them a crate of lager and an AA road map. <laughs> So anyway, they were bubbling out of Aberdeen Harbour, you know, all set. And uh, there was quite a few boats heading into the harbour, you know, and there was like, uh. the sky was looking a bit dark and a bit stormy. Uh, anyway, as time went on, they realised that, you know, they were actually heading into the eye of the storm and they were rescued by the, the Coast Guard. <laughs> and my dad was in the in this sort of trawling world up in Aberdeen and uh, the, the headline in the press and journal was something like, Aberdeen trawler skipper, you know, found with eight roadmap bobbling around in a stormy sea and there's a picture of him and his pal being hooked up at Aberdeen Harbour I mean oh, what an brilliant. embarrassment that's that brilliant. well I only have one sort of uh, a boat story uh, of my dad in, in the early days on a Sunday you couldn't get a drink so you had to travel a distance you were called a, a bona fide traveller and you had to sign the book as you went into a hotel or a bar to prove that you'd actually travelled to that bar. So my uncle Frank and my dad, from Stockbridge, by the way, walked all the way down to the Hawes Inn in Queen's Ferry. That's a hell of a walk, right? That's a hell of a walk. So they went down there, and these were the days when the ferry used to go from Queen's Ferry across to Fife, right? So anyway, they were in the signed the book in the Hawes Inn, and my dad went up to the bar. And at the end of the bar, there was a guy with a, basically a captain's hat on in naval uniform, out his trolley, absolutely <laughs> steamboats, right? So my dad said to the barman, says, who, who, who's the guy here? Is he all right? He says, oh, don't worry about him. He's just full of memories. Now, what would you like, sir? My dad went, two pints of memories, mate, when you got a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm afraid it's another dad's story because my dad used to play a lot of rugby. He played uh, rugby up in Aberdeen and then right. he played uh, played for the RAF, actually, during the, the Second World War. Cause, but anyway, he uh, used to drive up and down um, in the, the, the ski, uh, ski club, the rugby club bus from Aberdeen down to Edinburgh for matches, various. And of course, mm. they had, that's how they got across the fourth. It was on a, a right, ferry. Yeah, yeah. So the number of times they missed the ferry because they couldn't get them out of the bloody Hawes Inn. So uh, my, actually, my mum and dad went to the Hawes Inn for their honeymoon. Oh, all right. How romantic. Oh, here, what's Eric doing here? Come away in, you know. Right, Pat, I'll be up in two weeks. You know, it was, uh, yeah, romantic I, day. I remember as a child going on that ferry, we used to go to, um, you know, we used to go to Anstra or Cellardite. They were the two locations we used to go. My dad would hire a house and that was our holiday. So we were going across and my dad had this old car and honestly, it was like something out of Elliot Ness. And it had a running board at the side, actually, and he used to wind it up at the front, you know, with a metal metal key. No and way. Yeah, John, how old that. are you? That's, that's 107 this weekend. I was going to say, happy birthday. <laughs> so anyway, we used to call this car Old Bessie. That's that's because it was it was, it was old and it just didn't run across. And it was so anyway, called Bessie. Yeah. It, it was called Bessie. A big green Woolsley, I think it was, actually. So anyway, we were on the, the ferry and the thing's chugging away and we got across the side and the, the car just manages to get off the ferry and no more and we're going up the hill and it's spluttering and it's just not sounding good so my dad thought I'll just I'll just uh, step in here and drive into the first garage so I uh, drove into the first garage and said to the guy if you could fill it up please and maybe if you could check under the, the bonnet it's just a wee bit of noise that's happening so the guy looked at my dad filled it up opened the bonnet and said to him ah. so, uh, where are you going sir and my dad says sorry I should rephrase that where were you going? <laughs> the thing was knackered. 
I think we walked to Anstruther for a holiday that year. Oh, is that right? My mum, my mum, just before she stopped driving, actually, she wasn't driving very often, so she would drive it just up to the supermarket and back. You know, anyway, she hit the curb one day and the the tire went, and so she was sitting uh, sitting there waiting for the AE, and the AE guy came along, and she said, um, you know, problem the tire, and he went, oh right, okay, I'll have a look under the hood, Mrs. Craig. So he lifted the hood up, and uh, he sort of smiled, and he came round to mum and said, do you drive the car very often? And she went, well, no, not that often. Why? And he said, the engine's covered in moss. <laughs> <laughs> she looked at it. You couldn't even see the engine. It was like, you know, it was, that looked better than most people's lawns, to be honest. I mean, God. My, dad, so. my dad's old joke was the guy who was sitting his driving test and his wife was in the back seat accompanying him on his driving test. And at the end, he says, I'm sorry you've failed, sir, but your wife in the back has passed. <laughs> And we're absolutely delighted, just like the Eurovision Song Contest, to go, Hello, Croatia! Dobrodan, uh, Dobrodan from Split. It's uh, John here from Sunburst Sailing and Sunny Split. Lovely, a Scot abroad. So tell us, you're living in Split in Croatia. How long have you been there? We have a sailing business here, and this is our eighth year uh, operating sailing business. John, there must be a few stories uh, of uh, people going out in the boat and uh, tales from the seas. What have you got? <laughs> tales from the sea. Tales from the sea. Well, the majority of our guests up until last year have actually been from the USA, mm. and we had a we had a particular couple on board. Skylar Funkhauser was from Dallas, Texas, and Skylar was very thirsty when she came on board. And rather than drinking the, the lovely mineral water we have here, she went straight onto the red wine at uh, eleven a.m. We operate an open bar on board the boat. Mm. Usually, it's in the morning. It's a glass of prosecco or, or a cold beer or something. But no. Skylar wanted red wine. And red wine over here is very strong due to the sun. It's probably all about 14%. Mm. So, so she started drinking red wine, and by four in the afternoon, she was absolutely hammered. Poor <laughs> um, Skylar. It was the only occasion where we closed the bar on board the boat. <laughs> we actually didn't close it. We just, when she asked for more, we just didn't hear her. Just threw it overboard. <laughs> yeah, drink that. Which is lovely. A lovely, lovely girl. I think we've all been there. Comes to the best of us. It does. We've all been there. We and have. <laughs> and listen, I've been loving your podcast the last couple of weeks. I didn't think I was old until I heard John with story about <laughs> galloping down the road on a milkman's horse. <laughs> <laughs> what? Is there anything you're missing from Edinburgh? Anything you're missing from home? Square sausage, black pudding, uh, my pals. In that um, order. Having a pint. I don't think a point in Edinburgh, any of Edinburgh's hostelries, but we're all missing that. And yeah, you miss your mates, you miss your pals and your buddies and your family more than anything. What, what about the drink then, John? What's the, what's the, what's the lager, the important question? Now? What's the lager across there? What is it, nice? The lager over here is generally very cold, which is just what you need in the summer. Uh, when I first arrived here, a Croatian friend of mine told me, John, he said, always drink the red beer, which is Karlovacko. Uh, uh, Karlovacko over here is like tenants. It's the go-to cooking lager. And uh, 
So there's red beer and green beer, and you should always drink the red beer, which comes in red cans. That's a very good tip, actually, isn't it? For anyone thinking there'll be, I mean, a lot of people will be thinking, let me go to Croatia as soon as I possibly can. Price-wise alcohol here, you can still get a really nice bottle of wine here for about four or five pounds. Oh, that's um, not bad, is it? Well, I mean, I know that you'll be well up on all the linguistic Croatian chit-chat, John, because you are an intergalactic (laughs) traveller. But can you tell us what is goodbye in Croatian? Well, goodbye in Croatian, Alfred, is uh, Dovidenja. First time I went to Disney, I was going to Disney. In fact, remember, we went to Disney and we did a show. And before we went, I phoned up my mate saying, have you any advice for going to Disney? He says, just remember, John, Mickey Mouse, six-foot, cheese-eating rodent. <laughs> <laughs> I went, okay, okay. But we had a ball there. We had a great time. Oh, what a carry on we had off. I was laughing though. Um, We were also went to Jamaica. That's right, yeah. And if you remember, our sponsor was Captain Morgan's Spice Drum. Drum, Which was great. I mean, they, they they flew us out there. They put us up in sandals. It was a fantastic trip. And we broadcast from there every day live uh, for the duration of the trip. But John and I were uh, drinking Red Stripe. We didn't, I don't think we drank Morgan Spice at all during the entire week. And every time, and our, our promotions manager was with us as well, Cameron Pirrie. And every time we did a link, you know, you would say something along the lines of, right, Al, over to you. I'm just going to have a quick Red Stripe. And Cameron was like, no, not the Red Stripe. The Captain Morgan. And we go, oh, well, it's live. It's too late. We'll do Captain Morgan's next time. And of course, we, we, I mean, we should have been sponsored. We should still be sponsored by Tenants Lager, to be honest right. with you. But, right. uh, oh, yeah. That and I'll tell you another thing I remember is uh, Cameron and I had the great idea. Uh, the guy said, would you like some cocktails behind the bar? We went, you know what? Let's drink the entire Premier Division, <laughs> colour-wise. OK, we'll start with Celtic. Have you anything green and white at all? No problem at all. So if you like creme de menthe, here we go. <laughs> creme de menthe frappe. And then street, oh, I remember oh. that. I, I was involved with that. It was a, oh. it was a, a swim-up bar. It, it was. was like a, it was a pool bar. It was, like, right. it was almost a sort of mass drowning, as I recall. You know, taking lots of Scottish radio people to Jamaica and putting them in a, you know, a, a swim-up bar and you didn't have to pay a bill. And I think at the end of it, we eventually got the message that we shouldn't be mentioning red stripes. So we'll go, I think I'll just go for a red stripe. What? down with some Morgan Spice rum. <laughs> Remember we took five couples with us? We did, we did. I mean, they were, we, you know, the radio station did. John and I didn't just go. It wasn't like a big swingers convention. But they were a really lovely lot. Was it three? I can't remember. There was three couples maybe. But they were lovely. They were young couples. We were young in those yep, days. And yep. uh, imagine going on holiday with, with, you know, people like us. It must have been horrible for them. But uh, oh. a lovely experience to have. And we got paid for it, John. I know we did. Oh, happy <laughs> days, man. Happy, happy days. days. Yeah, talking about some of the most embarrassing things that happened, I remember walking uh, along. Remember Tom Robinson actually he does a oh, show War on Baby, yeah. Six Music, War Baby. That's yeah, right. Yeah, I love that song. Um, and a tremendous musician. He's a great broadcaster. Actually, he's got a fab voice. But anyway, he was up for um, various reasons, probably promoting an album or something. And I was uh, interviewing him, and I met him in I think it was the Bailey. Actually, quite often used to wow. do that. Meet somebody, you know, have a yeah. pint, and then go into the studio and record because we were a bit more relaxed. We got to know each other, so that was fine. So. We were walking along the road past my flat at that point and um, a seagull flew down and shat on my head. And I mean, you know how big a seagull is. I mean, it was not, uh, don't worry, let's just carry on regardless. It was like, oh my 
God. So I actually had to go into my flat with Tom Robinson and I shared with Mark Finlay at that time and the flat was not tidy and I also had a dog. I mean, it just must have looked like, you know, shameless. But anyway, do you mind just sitting in the kitchen and I'll just go and have a quick shower and get this, you know, seagull crap out of my hair? So that was certainly an icebreaker, though. It was an icebreaker. Mathers was was the type of bar where they used to have two levels, and up the back was where all the the radio people used to go with the personalities because they never used to get bothered up there. And it was a self-service bar. Big John who worked there, you you basically just paid what you thought the round was. What a great idea. Oh, but it was such a great bar. You know, when Mathers um, and Broughton Street there closed, uh, changed hands or whatever, broke my heart because it was a really, it was a, we had such a laugh in there. I remember once doing a thing about uh, it was some wig shop and they got me to you know put on a wig and get my picture taken for something or other uh, and at the end of it they said do you want to hang on to one of the wigs so I, I'm, I've got sort of naturally long dark hair and so I, I borrowed a blonde bob or not borrowed it they gave it to me uh, so I phoned my husband and said uh, well he wasn't my husband then but I phoned you know my boyfriend do you want to go for a pint and he went, I said I'll, well, I'll meet you in Maver's bar and he went okay so uh, I had the blonde wig on um, so I walked in and, uh, you know, he looked at me and, and didn't recognise me at all. So I sort of sat down and I kept looking at him and he kept looking at me, not looking at me. And I sort of, it was like, stop staring at me. You know, I, this woman's trying to pick me up. Help. Where's Alison, my scary Aberdonian girlfriend? And eventually I just went up to him and grabbed his bum and he got the shock of his life. And I went, it's me, you pillock. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> you remember, we actually put together a programme proposal once. Do you remember? Yes. To broadcast right. from a bar. That's right. And then Chris Evans took the idea. I know, but the boss just looked at us and it was like, no, you two pushed it enough, I think. Yeah, that ain't going to happen. We were there that often. They used to deliver our council tax to us there. That's how bad it was. That's for you two, Dennis Law, for a pint, though, isn't it? That's right, yeah, yeah. Very nice man he was. And I'll tell you who else I met there um, was Rick Waitman. Now, I was a big Yes fan. I think that's probably one of the first concerts I ever went to. We should chat about that one time. And I went in We're chatting about it now. We are, actually. Um, (laughs) I thought it was deja vu. Uh, So there's Rick Waitman there, and it's uh, Vic Wood, who was the head of news at that time. Great man, great voice. Uh, Turner says, by the way, uh, John Wood, this is Rick Waitman. I go, oh, my God. I says, I'm I'm sorry, I'm starstruck, because I'm a major Yes fan, and I'm a major Emerson Lake and Palmer fan as well. Mm -hmm. I went, oh, saw Keith Emerson last week. We were at a wedding. So we chatted away. He, He happened to be in Edinburgh because his wife was expecting, her due date was very near, mm-hmm. and he was playing at the Playhouse and Radio Forth put him up. I think, I think that was the story. So anyway, he said to me, uh, what are you doing? I says, well, I'm, I'm doing the sports show. And then he says, uh, what else are you doing tonight? I says, well, I, I play drums. I mean, he, he's got Bill Bruford on Yes, and I've got, <laughs> Jack, we drums. He says, oh, what are you playing about? I says, I'm playing at the Woodside Hotel down in Musselburgh. I says, alright, what is it? I says, it's a wedding we're playing at. You know, this is Rick Wakeman who sells out the playhouse, you know, and I've got a, a, a drunken crowd of 200, you know, that's about it. So he says, why don't you come to the after show party? And I went, Aww. really? He says, yeah, yeah. He says, look, I'll, I'll put your name at the door. I'll put that, no problem at all. So anyway, my girlfriend at the time, I phoned her up, says, right, listen, I'm playing it uh, down at Musselborough. We'll finish about half past 10, 11. I'll drive straight back and we're going to Rick Wakeman's party at the playhouse. And she went, uh-huh. aye, right, aye, right. <laughs> I went, honest, I'm telling you, we're going to... I whatever. I says, right, just be ready. I'll pick you up, okay, just after 11, and we'll drive around. Uh, and we're going to Rick Waitman's party. I said, yes, we are, okay? So anyway, we arrived, and she had that look on her face like, I'm an idiot. Went uh-huh. up to the door. 
rang the security, and the guy says, yes, can I help you? And she's like, I don't know why I'm standing here. I don't know why I'm standing here. I says, it's John Woodford Rick Waitman. Hold on a second, sir. And she says, if this works, I will, yes, sir, no problem. He's expecting me. Nah, 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 up the stairs. And he he gave us a drink and uh, met all his entourage and one of the nicest guys. And he said to me, he says, I've been a millionaire twice and lost it twice. And he was also a major Meadowbank Thistle supporter. Oh, yeah, he? yeah, he loved Meadowbank Thistle. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a lovely story. So tell me, I mean, I'm just trying to think of, you know, of, well, I remember the one that I had a bit of a run-in with, it would be fair to say, was Dave Stewart from the Eurythmics. Ah, you told me about this. What happened? Well, what happened was I was doing my usual show. I think it was lunchtime show I was doing at that stage. And uh, somebody came in and went, uh, Dave Stewart was supposed to be being interviewed next door, but for some reason there was a problem with the off-air studio. So do you mind doing him on your show just now? And I went, no, I'd be delighted. It's one of the bloody Eurythmics. What do you think? So um, and he came, he just released a solo album and uh, the the record rep gave me the album. And uh, of course I hadn't listened to it. So Dave Stewart came in, very quiet, sat down, was wearing dark glasses, which is always difficult when you're in a basement. But anyway, he didn't fall. He sat down. Um, and I said, I thought, I'm going to be honest with him. You know, I said, which track would you like me to play? And he went, track three. And I went, OK. I said, I'll have to be honest with you. I haven't actually listened uh, to the album because this has just happened. And he stood up and left. He left? He stood up and left. And I was absolutely... Oh. Uh-huh. But I had a witness to it because I tell you, it must have been during the festival because right. Joe Little, who was Joe Mangle in Neighbours, he was in the studio at the same time because I'd been interviewing him. Uh-huh. He was he was going, he was lovely. He was just a big Australian lad going, I can't believe, I can't believe that Dave Stewart from the Eurythmics has just come in and I can't believe that Dave Stewart from the Eurythmics has just left. You know. <laughs> so actually, anyway, he, he got aroused from his record rep and he came in and he went, sorry about that. And he sat down and, and did do an interview. But by that point, I didn't want to interview him. So the big story really is you got an apology from Dave Stewart. Well, I did, That's but I bloody great. deserved one, I tell you. I'm... He's still worth about 80 million, but never mind. Yeah, well, it, does, yeah. it didn't break him. It didn't break him, no. that's for sure. Just but is, he happy? is he happy? Is he, is he damn is right? He, he's, he's delirious. He's <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it's about time to give uh, Catherine Aitken a call. She's going to give us all our film and TV tips for the week, John Boy. That's a great idea. I'm going to have to go. I haven't taken my tablet yet, so I need oh. to go to the kitchen and I'll be back in a minute. What tablet is, I will uh, reveal after this. <laughs> Oh, goodness me, I bet it's going down with a tense lager as well. Here's Catherine. Film producer, Catherine Aitken. Once a week on What's the Chat podcast, Catherine Aitken, our very own special film producer friend, is going to have a look through what is on television, film and on the small screen that we can sit and watch at home and recommend a few goodies for us. So, hi, Catherine. Thanks for coming on. Tell us what we're going to kick off with this week. Well, this week uh, we've got a new series starting on ITV of Unforgotten and it's got your favourite stars, Nicola Walker and Sanjeev Bhaskar. But that starts, um, yes, a week on Monday. So I think that's definitely worth worth looking forward to. Something new. Excellent. So that's series four of Unforgotten. And then we're flipping over to Netflix. Flip over to Netflix for for, uh, the new Tom Hanks film, News of the World, where he plays a fantastic good egg at his absolute best that has to return a young girl who was taken by Native Americans as an infant to her last remaining relatives. The young girl, Helena Zengel, is absolutely fantastic in it and she's been nominated for a Golden Globe. She's only 12, but it's their relationship across this wonderful Western landscape um, that really hooks you into the story. Directed by Paul Greengrass of Jason Byrne. A departure for him, but also there's some action in there and there's tension all the way through it. Ooh, I like the sound of that. And, uh, I mean, next we're going on to a rather hunky Scotsman. 
Oh yes, Hunky Scotsman, we like it. Gerard Butler. Um, he's in Greenland at the moment on Amazon Prime, which is an apocalyptic disaster movie, <laughs> just when we needed something like that. <laughs> but he plays it really well. He plays the role of John Garrity as a structural engineer who gets a presidential alert to say he's actually on a list to be saved with his family to build a new world. And so the story follows a couple who only recently reunited and their child, Nathan, as they try and find their way to the flights that will take them to the underground safe haven in Greenland. It's all good stuff. That sounds great. And you said it had very good reviews. It's had very good reviews and a really great one by Mark Kermode with four stars in The Guardian, which... He, does, know, he doesn't hand them out easily either, does he? So that's, he does yeah, not, that's no. So, um, so, yeah, if you want a real bit of escapism, it's so well done. It's fast and furious and uh, you just need to keep popping that popcorn. Exactly. And uh, so then we're going across to a uh, Scottish director, actually, Kevin MacDonald. Yes, uh, Kevin MacDonald has A Life in the Day 2020. Now, he and Ridley Scott produced one 10 years ago, and so this is just an updated version. They got pieces of film from 334,000 people from 192 countries on one particular day, the 25th of July last year. And the documentary is just shaped from the start of the day at one part of the world and then just sweeps round, and uh, you just see... Lots of different things that are happening in all different countries of the world. It's wonderful. I find it really moving, educational and beautiful. And that's on YouTube. So that's a freebie. YouTube. That's a freebie. Excellent. Well, like that. On our last one uh, this week is actually an iPlayer, BBC iPlayer selection. Yes. If you're running out of things to watch, then I would recommend just getting stuck into Spiral. Another French uh, police procedural that is really fantastic and I just loved every series of it so um, yes just get in there turn everything off and get into Paris oh get into Paris so that's the BBC iPlayer Catherine thank you so much you've given us what I'm going to do is I'm going to put all your notes on our show notes so if anybody's heard this and thinks oh I like the sound of that you go to our website uh, the What's the Chat website and you will find all the details there Catherine you are an angel would you do the same for us next week just sort the wheat out from the chaff save us from sitting down and getting our DVT trying to find something that we want to watch I would. It was most enjoyable. And I don't really have much else to do at the moment (laughs) apart from watch the telly. Well, it's a pleasure to have you on. We'll speak to you soon, my darling. Take care. Film producer, Catherine Aitken. Well, that's about it from John and I this week. It's been a bit of a cracker, don't you think? Certainly has. And don't forget, you can get in contact with us. Email at what's the chat podcast, all one word, at gmail.com. And if you're wondering what's on next week, wonder away because we don't have a bloody clue. No, but we will hopefully have an idea by then. But you know what we'll probably do is just phone each other and chat. That's all right. That's all right. Oh.